Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. This show is devoted to all industry professionals looking to up their game and stay up to date. Welcome to The Sale Ring. And we're back, back yeah. in the studio. Yes, yes. I'm lowering the music. I know. I was trying we need to, to talk do that over earlier. My voice cracked. Instead of ever doing anything about the length of that, we can just start cutting in and talking over it. How about that? Okay. All right. All right. Consider that done. On the next episode done. of the Sale Ring, <laughs> expect that from us. Expect something new. <laughs> Mr. J.W. Ross in the yes, studio yes. with us today. Thank you, gentlemen and lady. Thank you. <laughs> gentlemen and lady. I like that. Very cordial. Yeah. We've also got the auction authority uh, yes. with us today, Mr. Mike Branley. Mike, uh, are you hooked up? I am here, Sean. Trina, JW, pleasure to be with you guys. Same to you, sir. You've been uh, you've been on several of these podcasts, and we've had some great conversations. But it's been a while, mm-hmm. and. Uh, a man uh, in in your business, not just an auctioneer, but an authority on um, let's call it auction law. There's always has to be something new that's that's popped up on the horizon, and we had um, obviously pre broadcast or pre recording we talked about that. But uh, what are the hot topics? Tell us kind of what um, what do the listeners need to know right now about the auction industry. Well, what's uh, occurring or what has occurred here in the last, say, year or year and a half in terms of things I've touched or heard about or testified in or consulted with attorneys on, certainly print size is one. Mm. Print size, terms, conditions, um, whether your as is and where is, disclaimers, which, you know, what auctioneer doesn't use those, are they conspicuous or are they uh, italic or bold or bigger print? easily distinguishable from the rest of the text. Uh, Those have certainly been topics. Print size, conspicuousness. We have a case out of West Virginia, just uh, was ruled on in 2020, uh, still seeing the fallout from that. Uh, And uh, that court, the uh, West Virginia Supreme Court of Appeals, said uh, that uh, bidders have to be treated on an equal basis or have equal footing. You can't bury the terms for different bidders. And I think auctioneers have traditionally done some of that. This court said you can't do that. And lastly, we um, are seeing some with online and personal property. We see a lot of things shipped and state law in Every state, uh, Louisiana by analogy, we might argue, uh, says that uh, if the buyer of that property, if it's shipped to them, delivered to them, and it's non-conforming, that's kind of the term we use, uh, that they have a right to get a refund or they don't Mm -hmm. have to take that property if it's not as described. The right to the refund. And hold the property for the seller and maybe pay, you know, have the shipping paid for them to ship it back or whatever. I can imagine in the auction industry, that's not going to, uh, that's, um, wh- whether it's right or wrong, uh, it's, it's not going to be well received by many auctioneers because, uh, you know, they're so accustomed to selling things as is where is. And, uh, you know, you, you raise your hand on it, you, you bid and buy it, uh, you own it. Mm-hmm. 
Well, there's a general principle here, which we can explore to some degree, that you can't disclaim, you can't waive or not be liable for what you say, express. You can, in some cases, I have to qualify that myself, uh, many people think you can disclaim the implied warranties of, say, merchantability or or, uh, fitness for a particular purpose. But what you say it is, it's got to be. If I say it's a Marantz 2360 receiver, it's got to be a Marantz 2360 receiver. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> have to adequately describe it. Mm-hmm. Have to have at least the intent. Uh, I'm going to talk way out of school here, but the the intent of adequately, you're, you're appropriately describing it and you're, you're trying to be um, as forthcoming with the available information as possible. Right. 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 I mean, you want to do your seller uh, justice in adequately describing so that people looking for a 23, whatever, ranch receiver or a car or a firearm or whatever it is can find it. If it's not described adequately, their search may not connect with your offering. So, but here's a question I'd have, Mike, and, and a lot of people may, if you're in the auction business, you may have the same question. Where's the stopping point? So if, if I'm bidding on, a, a, I don't know, a blue car and I win it and it gets shipped to me, but it's a green pickup, clearly something's out of balance, yeah. right? Yeah. That's just, that's, you're missing the mark too much. But where is, where, you know, where's that stopping point of somebody that has just buyer's remorse? They've purchased something and they're going back now through the terms, conditions and arguing, well, you know, I just, I'm, I'm just not comfortable with it. I want my money back because of... X. It's uh it's a used car. Because and the horn doesn't blow on that blue car that you got. Yeah. yeah it's it's something. appropriately mm-hmm. described and you know it's got a scratch on a fender out mm-hmm. there and you you did you know you've offered inspections, you've done your best ability of taking 30 photos, close-ups of it, and you've you've tried to describe everything. But uh there's always gonna be a hole in the fabric out there if somebody is looking. What well, there was an attorney told me one time, he said, you know. You'll never write a contract that'll hold a dishonest person. Yeah, <laughs> you just yeah. can't do it because they're always going to find the loophole in there to get out of it. So you you've got to deal with people that have some intent and some integrity to follow through with the transaction. Well, the, from the buyer's standpoint, I think it's probably fair to say if it's a material issue, I can kind of get it. You know, they're expecting a blue car and they got a green pickup truck. That's a material issue. It's not a car. It's not blue. Um, I would expect my money back. Now, did you have pictures or did I have a chance to preview? That would all be stirred in there. Um, now, if you sell me a uh, an old ball glove that was used in uh, high school or college ball, and I didn't describe it in complete detail, and I did show you a couple pictures and you bought it, but the thumb piece of the glove has been... I mean, it's falling off and it, it, it looks like somebody's tried to repair it or whatever. And I didn't disclose that. And they were going to use this glove. Now, see, I don't know. What's it sell for? 30 bucks, 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't sue over $20. You don't even make a phone call over $20. So that's probably not a material issue or might not be a material issue. The buyer might let that slide. But you get up in dollars or complexity and I think buyers have the upper hand because they say, you know what, you described it a certain way and it's not, and it's not. And I didn't get what I was expecting. 
how important in that equation of that scenario that we're talking about is offering at least offering the opportunity to physically inspect the property before uh, placing a bid before closing out that transaction. Well, it's a, it's a, it's certainly part of the formula in that I think every auctioneer in every single case without exception should be offering the opportunity to inspect prior. However, if Sean, if your auction, your online auction of used baseball items is in Florida and I'm in California mm-hmm. or Indonesia or Vietnam, it, you might say I've got a chance to preview, but I don't really have a chance to preview. It's not practical. Yeah. And so at that point, even though you offered the opportunity, did they really have the opportunity? And that's where that, again, it would depend on value and complexity and how much time they want to put in it, whether they want a refund or not. And and the other side of that is if it's a $20 ball glove and they're not happy, refund it. I mean, life is short. We're going to we're going to argue for a month with letters back and forth and attorneys over a $20 ball glove. Write him a check. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that's fair as long as that buyer can prove that they don't have a thumb, you know, or that they <laughs> well, in, that. in turn yeah. they have a thumb and, and there's no place for my thumb to go. So first I want a photo of your hand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, well, you make a good point in jest, of course, but, um, you know, they have to provide some evidence that they didn't take it and rip the, the thumb hole off or whatever. That's, yeah. Uh, so you, you would expect a little bit of substantiation. Mike, this is JW. I appreciate you being on here and letting us ask some of these questions. I, I work with four auctioneers in my office, and we do vehicle auctions and, and personal property auctions and so forth. So a lot of what you're talking about is based on the shipping side as far as the law goes. So in your scenario, the property is located in Florida. Someone's buying a vehicle out of California. It's $3,500 vehicle. Uh, it's described correctly, but let's say the picture, this happened to us just, just about a month ago is we, we described everything and it was a $1,500 vehicle. They came up to pick it up and the wrong picture was put online based on the seller providing the picture to us. Now that's on us, but, uh, they showed up and they didn't want to pay for it based on the, the picture being incorrect, even though the VIN was correct, it was described correctly, had the correct mileage on it and so forth. But they showed up, said, we aren't, you know, we're not paying for it. Luckily, we went to the backup bidder, and for $100 less, they went ahead and purchased it because they were happy with it, even though it was a different color. So in the scenario of a larger purchase, like you talked about, if they show up to pick it up, can they refuse under that lawful guideline not to have to pay or to demand their refund at that point if they've already paid? I would think, it's a good question, JW, um, if you have misrepresented it or you've expressed a certain fact about it or what you believe is a fact and that facts found out to be not true. Um, you have violated your expression, your, your warranty of expression. Now you're talking about cars, cars, you buy a car to drive. Generally speaking, um, you could probably, I say probably disclaim that the car could be driven and, and driven for a week or a month or a year or whatever that's implied that cars drive, or you could say it, it starts up and it moves, you know, but you, but you disclaim any other usability issues. But when you say it's back to our, it's blue and it's green, or you have a different picture of, or whatever, that's probably enough on the expressed warranty side that you can't disclaim for that buyer to say, you know what, I don't want it. Even though, you know, 
they saw other pitchers that that were exactly right. Mm-hmm. I mean, in in summary, <clears throat> we would whether it's the seller's uh, fault of, of giving the wrong picture to the wrong vehicle, or the auctioneer mistakenly put the wrong photo with the wrong vehicle. That uh, that kind of a mistake generally is going to come at a cost. You yeah. know, it, it opens uh, the door, I would think, for an opportunity for somebody to say, that's not the same car that I was bidding on, that I visually saw, that was represented in the photos. Is that fair? And that is fair. And you mentioned the seller versus the auctioneer. What, what auctioneers are doing is putting the buyer and seller into contract. So it is really the seller's issue if it's not as described, of course, the sellers hired you, the auctioneer, to describe it or giving you the photo or what have you. So it's you can't always separate the seller from the auctioneer. But the claim would probably be to the seller more so than the auctioneer because it was the seller's property and then it became the buyer's property. Mike, as you know, I, I've argued for years that the auction community in general takes too much ownership of the auction event itself Mm -hmm. versus being a service provider. No different than a plumber, no different than an attorney, no different than a physician. You're providing a service. You're being contracted to provide a service for an individual. There should be at least some parameters on how much inherent responsibility we take on in doing that. Now, we have a responsibility to perform for the seller and you know we we should we owe the consumers honesty and integrity and and we we want to have a respectable business but i've i've tried at least in the last quite a few years to view each one of those auctions that we're having as this is the seller's auction mm-hmm. i'm performing this on behalf of this individual and i'm giving him some consulting i'm i'm giving them some guidance uh, but uh auctioneers a lot of times, you know, they, they have a tendency, they'll write terms and conditions for an auction that they never have the client that's hiring them review and approve before going live with those. They're taking ownership of, uh, of, of too much, I think. And if I could ask a question on that, excuse me, Mike, yeah. it's some, some of the things that we've had happen in the past is we've added the language and y'all might yell at me for this is seller states. For example, we sold a tractor about a year and a half ago. Uh, seller states it runs well because you never want to put it in there. It runs great. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. You know, right. well, he, he paid $6,000 for it, showed up to load it up on his uh, hauler, and as he was loading it up, it blew a, a, a hydraulic gasket. And the guy demanded guy demanded he wanted his money back at that point. And seller's like, no, right. you've already paid for it. You blew it up when you were loading it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you said it ran well. Hydraulic problem, not much. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and JW, uh, we've got auctioneers doing that. I've heard that around the country as I've traveled. I've heard it at lots of events that I've been to here in that last year. Seller uh, said, we're not saying it. The seller says it. Um, it's fine if the seller really did say it. <laughs> yeah. Don't put words in the seller's mouth. Yeah. But if you tell the seller what to say, yeah. Or you say the seller said it when the seller only said it because you told the seller to say it. That's a that's abuse of that trying to assign the responsibility to the seller versus the auctioneer. If it's really what the auctioneer wants to uh, say, then the auctioneer ought to say, I'm saying it, instead of falsely claiming that the seller said it. 
So, in other words, put the seller on video stating it runs well when you're putting it online. <laughs> well, I don't know if you can go to that extent, but, but as long as the seller really does, I think I think in your case, if the seller said it, it ran or what have you and really did, I think that's fine. Uh, I just see auctioneers abusing that. Yes, sir. And going back to the earlier statement about auctioneers taking liberties, you know, in those auctions to um, – to set the, the, the general terms and the conditions and the, the standards of the auction with, um, you know, with, without any guidance of the person that's actually employing them. Um, are they taking on more inherent liability for that, Mike? Well, auctioneers, as you guys know, auctioneers are agents for their sellers or consignees. And so I'm not the owner, usually. I'm working for the seller or consignee. So I'm to take direction from them. I'm to follow their orders. I'm to be obedient, loyal, and disclose and keep certain information confidential, all the agency duties that real estate licensees would know, for example. Um, I think auction, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think auctioneers go, go too far many times to just take liberties and, and discretion and, and it's without their clients, uh, consent and then they get their client in trouble or can get their client in trouble because they've they've acted unilaterally and i don't think they should be doing that very good very good we're covering a lot of ground right now i'll tell you what let's uh let's slip away let's hear from our sponsors real quick and we'll come back with more insight and expertise from our good friend mr mike branley Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? unitedcountry.com over 30,000 farm recreational and lifestyle properties are just a click away helping people find their american dream for over 90 years we will help you find yours log on now to unitedcountry.com and find your freedom thinking about selling a real estate investment but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Buying great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday, so register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. While we were on break, we were talking with Mike about... um, print size mm-hmm. and uh, 
Mike, it's it's very interesting because most people are probably whenever I said that they're like, um, "What are you talking about? Advertising print?" Or, well, yes, actually, that's uh, that's exactly what we're talking about, and that's become a, a growing issue. I read your blog uh, post, which, by the way, if you haven't looked at Mike Branley, um, and we will have him tell you how to get to that blog, how to get to those articles online. We'll also put this, when we upload this show, we'll put that in the show notes where you can click on it. But, Mike, that was a great article, and, and let's, let's kind of expound on that now and talk a little bit more about, um, about print size. Glad to. Uh, what we're seeing in our travels, as an expert witness and otherwise, uh, are auctioneers decreasingly using print in property information packages or contracts or terms and conditions. Um, and I think for most people, something like 12 point type or 14 point type would be fairly easily readable. I think when I used to advertise in the newspaper, I think our newspaper here in Columbus, Ohio had six point type, Mm -hmm. which was, you could read it in the classifieds or whatnot, but we're seeing print sizes in some of these PIPs and contracts and terms, conditions, one point type. Wow. One point. Well, you can't read it. Not without a I magnifying was gonna, glass, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you how you actually saw it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, in one case, we saw it because in litigation, the attorneys laid the PIP in front of me and said, can you read a uh, paragraph, whatever that was, on page 536? And I said, I can't. They said, well, put your reading glasses on. Can you read it now? And I said, I had them on. I still can't read it. He put it up. He put it up on a screen, enlarged it. I still couldn't read it. And our conclusion, at least our side's discussion prior to that and after that was, and I don't think there's any other answer, quite frankly. If you're an auctioneer putting terms, conditions, or a PIP, or contract, or whatever, in one point type, there's only one reason you're doing that. Yeah. So people don't read it. Yeah. I could not agree more, and uh, not near to the magnitude you have, but I've I've supplied expert witness testimony in a couple of cases before, and I could envision that playing out in a court of law, in a courtroom. At some point, they're going to say, explain your intentions when you did this. Tell us why you did that. Yeah, That's going to be a hard one to explain. Yeah. It, it is hard, and, and here's the... Um the other kind of uh, fascinating part about it is that it put they 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 whoever they is puts this in one point type so the bidders don't see it or the seller doesn't see it then you get into a courtroom and they're like well it's in there you should have looked at it we disclosed that sure we did well now wait a minute which is it you showed me it or you didn't want you you wanted me to read it or you didn't want me to read it i guess i don't want you to see it but if you sue me then i'm going to say you should have read it yeah, that's almost, you know, and and I'm I'm exaggerating a little, but that's almost like using invisible ink mm-hmm. and just saying, "I ah, saw on the page." You know, you just you 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 got to you got to pour the antidote over it if you want to see it, uh, and you failed to do that. Mike, I have two questions on that. One, you know, the auctions bleed over into the real estate all the time, and we all put those disclaimers on our real estate advertising. Can you see those disclaimers falling under that same uh, legal aspect? And the other is we have toyed with the idea of putting our TNCs and all that under a QR code in our advertising mm. and pointing them, 
you know, to the QR code to look at everything. Uh, would you think that that might be a, a, a way, not around it, but a, in a way to push it to make sure that they see everything? Or do you think that's still hiding it? I don't think, I don't think that's necessarily bad. Um, the, all of that, in my view, it's almost as simple as this. Whatever you expect or would expect at any point in time, your bidders, buyer, seller to read and understand, then let's make it readable and understandable. Right. If and, and if you're not doing that, then you obviously don't want them to read it or you don't want them to understand it. Now, some disclaimers, if you're disclaiming on personal property and to some extent, even real property merchantability or fitness and those are two specific terms those disclaimers if you're disclaiming the implied merchantability or fitness of an item that by law has to be conspicuous in other words larger print than what the print around it is or bold or italic or just it has to stand out from the rest of the text if you will similar to what a heading does a lot of times in a above a paragraph or, you know, it's, it's, it's something that draws attention to it. That's exactly, it draws attention to it. Very well said. And so, you know, you're saying, well, we're not, we're talking about cars and well, you know, we're going to say the car starts up and you know, the engine turns over or whatever. I'm, I'm not implying that you can necessarily drive it. Well, if I'm trying to disclaim any implications, I would have to make that disclaimer conspicuous or large enough print or set aside so it would draw attention to it. Mike, one that's very common that comes to mind is no title. Yeah. You know, if yeah. you're selling vehicles and you There's obviously you transfer title on it and you have salvage title, whatever, but this vehicle has no title. Mm -hmm. um, that would be something that obviously warrants being called out uh, and, and being conspicuous, as you said, because that's very, um, that's, uh, it's very unique to to sell an automobile or to sell a vehicle that doesn't have a title with it i can i can make it worse sean and that's a great example what if you got real property and you don't have clear title yes or sir. can't find yeah. a clear title marketable title um and you put that in one point type i mean are, that's there i have testified to the fact that title on real property is probably the very top issue well I, am i getting clear title or not and it's something like that in one point type, that's, that's, that's just unconscionable behavior. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. The fact that you had testified and that's a real life scenario that you just told us with um, It was literally one point type. Exactly. So <clears throat> here's one of the reasons I love having you on the podcast show is you're, you're getting a glimpse into, and, and I'm going to be a little bit brutal because we're all professionals in the industries. We, we have licenses and we're, we're promoting and pushing professionalism in this industry. That instance deserves to be brought into a court of law yeah. because that is so one point type, ladies and gentlemen, that's listen to this podcast, go into word, type something and put that into one point type and look at that on your computer to put this into perspective of what he's actually talking about right now. That, uh, that is, um, to me, it's just, it's, it's almost fraudulent. You know, yeah. it's just, it's so intentional. Well, and, and Sean, as we uh, touched on what, if it's, if you're not trying to hide it or you're not trying to conceal it, why is it in one point type? 
you're out, you're out of paper. Yeah. You, you had to fit it on a certain number of pages. You couldn't, you couldn't enlarge it to 12 point type. You couldn't cut something else out other than there's no title to this thing. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> right. Yeah. At a bare minimum, go to page two, and you know, use the word red and <laughs> yeah, whatever. Well, I, okay, when I was in auction school, I thought it said that the, uh, your complete terms and conditions have to, to be, be one within page. one inch space. One inch space. Yeah, if you can't put it all in one inch, then you're you're doing it wrong. Biggest margins available. <laughs> you should have went to a different auction school, my yeah. friend. <laughs> I love it. What uh, what else? Hot hot topics. So we we've talked about a couple. Is there anything else that's uh, that's looming right now that's going on? Well, uh, related to this uh, print size, and I've argued, as you guys know, for years now, that a better place to, better than winning in court or losing in court is staying out of court. Yeah. And the as is, where is, what auctioneers say and print and disclose and announce all the time, every day, all day, for centuries. Um, By law, if you look at the textual law that regulates as is where is disclaimers they do not technically have to be conspicuous however a court in um new jersey back in 1970 took a case an auction case with this issue of as is where is not being conspicuous and the court the judge actually said it just doesn't make any sense that that doesn't have to be conspicuous if your other disclaimers have to be conspicuous by state law why would the as is where is have to be conspicuous and ruled that this buyer was not held to this purchase because the as is where is was not as he said conspicuous so you could say well but state law says otherwise well that's fine but the 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 question really is how many court cases have there been What's your chances of getting into court if everything that should be conspicuous is conspicuous? How many lawsuits result from somebody, you know, reading it in 12-point type or 14-point type and then being unhappy? And I can answer that for you. There aren't any. I mean, if it's conspicuous, you're you're protecting yourself. If it's hidden or in small print, that's when the risk appears. As it should. Um <clears throat> That, uh, you know, based on what we just talked about, there's um, there's the intent to either educate and uh, to align the public with what the opportunity is and to allow the competitive bid process to take place. Uh, and then there's, um, there's I, I, I guess, duping, you know, trying to pull yeah. the uh, proverbial wool over their eyes and, and uh, saying, listen, I'm working for the seller and my goal is, I want to get as much money as I can for this, regardless of who gets damaged or hurt in the process. Yeah. And that's um, that's the wrong approach. Well, and there's even research and uh, a, a consensus, I think, appearing that with more disclosure, people bid more because they don't fear the winner's curse. They don't they don't have apprehension about overpaying because they feel fully informed. The more information, good or bad puts those bidders at ease and as such then helps your seller. I think there's a significant portion of the auctioneer population that doesn't realize that, but I think the word is starting to, uh, to get out there. 
Mike, it's it's always just great insight when we have you on this show. Yeah. It's um, and it reaffirms that there's a right way and a wrong way to do business, um, and hopefully, you know, there's uh, it, it gets people to thinking because we we tend to get into um, I don't know if it just if it's complacency or if it's uh, you know just a belief system out there of of the. Uh, the old ways of doing business, but uh, the reality is, is the the noose is getting tighter out here. If you're not um, trying to offer fair and, and impartial service to to the consumers, to the con- people that want to do business with your uh, with your company or should want to do business with your company, so. And Mike, I, you're I, you're an authority on this, so that's that we 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 appreciate all of the information. Absolutely. Do me a couple of favors before we get off here. Tell them how to find you. Uh, tell all the listeners how to find you. And if it's not included in it, include also how they can go in and start. You have some very, very impressive blogs, some articles that uh, are related to different topics in the auction profession. But tell them how to find those. Well, you can simply go, and I appreciate that, Sean, to Mike Brandley Auctioneer. And so that's M-I-K-E. B R A N D L Y auctioneer. No E in Brainley. Correct. Or or Trina. That's right. We've had this conversation before, obviously, folks. Yeah. So Mike Brainley auctioneer dot wordpress dot com. And the other thing you can do is is search auction blog. Just put my name in Google. You'll probably find it. Click on it. I've got maybe in the neighborhood of 1,400 articles on that blog at the moment, another couple hundred in draft form that I'm massaging. Uh, So uh, you can subscribe or you can search the blog. There's a search box up at the top. If you're looking for a particular topic, you can probably find it that way. Outstanding. Well, we're going to continue to read that and follow it. We look forward to having you back on another show if uh, if you're open to that. Absolutely. And uh, we appreciate you being on this show today, Mike. You're always a wealth of information, um, and we'll look forward to having you back here in the near future. Sean, you take care. Uh, Trina, always good to hear your voice. And JW, nice to uh, talk with you today. Mike, thanks for your expert analysis. As an outsider coming in and listening to you, it's very informative. All right. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mike Branley. Oh, we got sound effects now. Sound effects and everything. That's awesome. So that's always insightful with yes. Mike Branley. Yes, and he's that, one of our favorite guests, I think. He is a, just such a, a a ball of knowledge, you know, and he's active in the auction community. A ball of knowledge. The ball of no, the book of knowledge. Maybe a book, a book or a ball. I, I don't know about a ball of knowledge. All right. But Con- a book of knowledge is, continues yeah, the role. Yeah, he continues to. I like GW. He continues to roll on. Yeah, he rolls yeah. out new stuff every day, <laughs> like deodorant. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, uh, let's slip away. Let's hear from our sponsors one more time. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? 
unitedcountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to unitedcountry.com and find your freedom. Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Find great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com. The way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. The oil and gas marketplace. I promise you they say mineraled marketing in that. Maybe. With a D. Points getting across. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Unless you try to type that in somewhere and you don't I find like it. How you said that with the eye roll, with the gentle <laughs> eye roll. Maybe. I don't know. Full disclaimer. <laughs> in one point. All right. In, yeah. One point clear font. By the way, Mineral Marketing, if you're listening, we're just having fun. We appreciate the sponsorship. Yes. Uh, thank you Please so don't much. pull the plug. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Um, we love you. J.W. Ross. Yeah. Your listeners are about to drop off. Are they? No, just the Texas ones. <laughs> just the Texas ones. Just the ones in Texas, northeast Texas. Um, yeah, what a coincidence. You were in the uh, in the office today, and, and let's talk a little bit about the auction business. Yes, sir. You're, I don't know, if it, fairly fairly new. You know, you're not a 20-year or 30-year veteran of the auction business. You're uh, five? Uh, I would say probably nine years. I've uh, mm-hmm. been with United Country for 20 years. Uh, we're celebrating 10 years from buying into a franchise 10 years ago. And my former partner, became, uh, he was going to do property management, and I brought him up here, and he decided he was going to be an auctioneer. So we've been doing mm-hmm. it for about nine years now. Nice. <coughs> so... Sorry about that. I had to cough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay. I missed the mark on that five. It's nine. Yes, sir. Um, and you're – tell us a little bit about, like, how – when you entered the auction business, and I think this is important because there's a lot of people out there that maybe are starting to see that, uh, wow, accelerated sales process uh, absolutely works. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing other companies around me that are doing that, and it's working. What's the process? How challenging has that been for you to to kind of enter that other profession? Well, uh, I'm licensed in Texas, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. My main focus is northeast Texas, southeast Oklahoma. As you know, Oklahoma and the Midwest has been a, a bid for auctions on real estate and everything uh, for quite some time, many years. Mm-hmm. But northeast Texas especially, 
was, you know, not very prevalent with auctions. I would say over the last five years, the mindset is starting to come towards the auction a little bit more. Uh, Certainly when COVID came along in my area, the offset of being able to offer a higher reach for personal property or even real estate as well uh, came into play. And I'm seeing auctions become more prevalent. I would say nine, 10 years ago, uh, the auction method of selling or the, your local auctioneers, you know, did, you know, 1% of the business. Uh, I would say I'm doing through auction. My part of the business this year through auction, both personal and real estate is probably closer to 15 to 18%. Yeah. So I, I'm seeing a continuous growth in that and pattern in that. Nice. Very nice. So it's growing exponentially in yes, that. Sir. And it's picking up speed. It I mean, is. Do you think that that's more that it's the that the consumers recognizing it and requesting it more, or are you building your confidence and learning how to go after those opportunities and pursuing those harder than you were initially? Uh, I would say a combination of both. Certainly, uh, on the real estate side, uh, you you asked how long five years ago. Well, five years ago we did a deal together that was sixteen million dollars on auction. So, um, and being able to surround myself with with expert auctioneers like yourself and uh, Mike Branley and others like that, uh, it has helped me in my confidence going out there and pitching. You know, whether it's a thirty thousand acre auction or twenty thousand dollar house auction or mm-hmm. even a you know five thousand dollar estate auction. Um, the, the, the tools and confidence I have found, uh, has been exponentially informative on my end and allowed me to go out there and and nail whatever I wanted to. Excellent. Very good. Well, Trina. Yeah, I'm here. Have any weird stories to tell? I'm car shopping right now. Used car shopping. It's funny. We just talked about cars and cars. Have you looked at auctions? I have a vehicle (laughs) auction with the Choctaw Nation in Oklahoma going right now. They have a 2014 Fusion. Uh, The current bid, I think, is $800. Oh, wow. Go ahead and register. I might have to. (laughs) Do you accept bank financing? We, We do. You do? We do. That's unusual. That's why I haven't looked at auctions right there because we have financing going on. So He is Cracking the code in here. Nice. He solved the bank financing riddle for the auction industry. <laughs> yeah. No, my daughter My daughter got in a fender bender, I guess you could say. She totaled her car out of the deal, and everybody's fine. She hit the back of a pickup truck is what happened, and she had a plastic car. So she needs a new car. Pickup truck needs a new bumper. Yeah. <laughs> Moral of the That's story. That's generally how it works. Truck. Nobody got hurt. Nobody. No, That's the most important fine. thing. But yeah. I cars mean, she had are a always... little cruddy first car, and now she's going to have a little cruddy second car. So Cars are always replaceable. It's uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't put that hitch on for hauling stuff just to protect me from the people driving behind me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the plastic cars? Exactly. <laughs> you don't need a very large hitch if no. you're in a truck, no. especially no. a truck like you drive. I've seen that. JW, tell uh, tell the listeners how they might reach out to you, how they could find you. Well, uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, you can always go to our website, uh, United Country. Uh, com, or you can contact me by email at jw.ross at altaterrarealty.com. That's A-L-T-A-T-E-R-R-A realty.com. Uh, I have my phone and my hair on me at all times or my wife will leave me, so I'll be sure to answer. Your phone and your hair? Is that what you said? <laughs> Got to be I a like story it. behind that. <laughs> <laughs> she told me if I ever went bald, she's gone. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. 
I'm glad my wife didn't say that. <laughs> <I'm> glad, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be cooking my own dinner ago, tonight. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I don't mind cooking dinner. I just I like cooking for two people. <laughs> you know, you it's, oh, that's funny. All right. Well, thank you so much for being in the studio. Appreciate and you having me. This is uh, we're coming to the end. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening in. Great episode with yes. J.W. Ross, with Mike Branley. We'll see you next time inside the sale ring. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesalering.com now. We appreciate your feedback and encourage you to share the show with other industry pros like yourself. Join us next time as we meet you inside the sale ring.